Hello, my name is Tom Boone. And I'm Joanna Bailey. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Simple Flying Podcast, where we'll give you the lowdown on the latest news from the world of commercial aviation. Here's what we've got for you this week. Coming up today, Tom will tell us about Air Astana's widebody commitment, while I update you on the latest developments in Indian aviation. I'll look at the latest Boeing 777X order, and Joe will tell you about how a plane full of dogs ended up on a golf course. (laughs) (laughs) Finally, we return to Tom's A380 podcast for the latest on the giant airplane. And I must say, it's a giant installment of A380 news this week, so (laughs) uh, fasten your seatbelts and put back your tray tables. Um, But before that, let's get on with the show. And I wanted to start with Aristana because anyone who's listened to the podcast for a few years now will know that this is one of my favorite airlines for no apparent reason. Um, (laughs) But, you know, it's really interesting because last week um, on Friday, they said they were going to be taking a wide body and they said they're going to be taking um, the triple seven or seven eight seven Dreamliner, and this is interesting because it's 13 years after they placed an order for free seven eight sevens from Boeing. But it's not actually the order, the aircraft that is ordered from Boeing that it's going to be getting, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, so, you know, what what's happening? Well, on Friday, Aerostana's Group CEO Peter Foster met with Stephen Udvar Hazy, who's the executive chairman of Air Lease Corporation, um, and they met in the Kazakhstan embassy in London. And it was also attended by Magzan Ilyazov, who is the ambassador extraordinary and plenipotentiary of the Republic of Kazakhstan to the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. And that is that's a a hell of a job title. I want that (laughs) on my business cards. Um, But yeah, so basically, in the presence of the ambassador, Aristana signed a lease agreement with ALC for free Boeing 787-9s. There's not so many deals uh, details about the deals yet. Um, we should we know that the first aircraft are going to arrive in Kazakhstan in the first half of 2025. And commenting on the order, Foster remarked, "The 787-9 is an important aircraft to the Aerostana's fleet modis- modernization as we expand our routes and focus on passenger experience. The Dreamliner offers fuel efficiency and range flexibility that will greatly add to our growing fleet operations." So. You know, this is quite an interesting story, and I was really happy that I was able to take it on because I've been following the 787 um, Aerostana story for quite a while, and I've chatted with Peter a couple of times, I think, on a previous podcast episode as well, or uh, the webinar we we had a chat. Um, but the, the, the date of 2025 um, really spoke to me in some sort of significance, um, because when we chatted with Foster last year, he remarked that this is around about the time that the finance leases of the airline's Boeing 767s um, are going to be paid off. So um, that means you know there's going to be no financial need to keep flying the 767s after this date. Um, and at the time, he also said that operating a small fleet of Boeing 767s alongside a small fleet of 787s wouldn't be efficient because you need two sets of crews, two sets of mechanics, two sets of spare parts, etc. So he suggested that Aerostana would likely sell the aircraft, but they could convert them to freighters. Um, and, you know, it's interesting because the, the, a year ago we had this date 2025, and now this date 2025 has come up again. So, you know, I'm not... Um, I'm not going to say it's going to happen, but you know, my kind of takeaway right now is that this is going to replace the 767. Um, but as I mentioned earlier, this isn't actually the free aircraft that Aerostana ordered from Boeing. So um, 10 years ago, they ordered free 787-8s, the smaller version uh, from Boeing. And 
you know, it's interesting because I did ha- I did reach out to Aristana to ask about this. They said that the lease agreement is separate to the order from Boeing. So, you know, it's not really clear what's happening with the Boeing order. The two options that I see are likely are that they could cancel the orders, but they'd probably um, take some kind of financial penalty if they did that, whether that's losing a deposit or so. Uh, or they could just double their long-haul fleet when they take the 787s, have a uh, fleet of 787-8s and dash 9s. You know, there's a lot of commonality between the two. Um like I said, we don't really know what's happening yet on that front, but it will be interesting to to see. So watch this space. Mm, absolutely. It sounds like they're fully modernising then mm. with some Dreamliners. I'll be interested yeah. to see what sort of product they put on board. Yeah, well, I hope to see the front seat from the um, A321neos making an appearance, but <laughs> Maybe uh, watch so. this space. And I'm looking forward to seeing the 787s in Frankfurt soon. Definitely. So if you're listening, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> you know where to fly those new planes yeah. when they arrive. Okay, so I wanted to talk a little bit about Indian aviation because we don't cover India very frequently on the podcast and there are lots of exciting things going on just now. Um, Most interestingly, the Tata Group, which you will remember um, bought Air India um, a little while ago now. Uh, The news is that they're preparing to announce some rather important changes to its airlines in the next few days. Um, Tata's planning to announce it that it's going to merge Vistara, AirAsia India and Air India Express all into the Air India India brand. Um, It's going to create one full service and one budget carrier in the process. So according to reports, Singapore Airlines and Tata have come to an agreement which will clear the way for Vistara to be merged into the flag carrier. Um, They already own 100% of Air India Express and they recently purchased AirAsia's remaining equity in the low-cost carrier. Um, So we're expecting an announcement on this within the next few days, really. I mean, maybe even by the time this podcast goes out. So apologies if this is out of date. Um, But although they'll be announcing what these carriers will look like within the next few days, the actual transition is going to take a lot longer, um, probably up to a year Um, Air Air India will therefore be the only airline brand of the Tatas. So Vistara, AirAsia India um, will just disappear as part of the merger. There will be two subsidiaries, um, presumably the Air India sort of full service brand and then a low cost arm, um, which could retain the Air India Express name to differentiate it from the the main carrier. Um, But it's going to be an enormous airline when all this happens. The the new Air India, the full service branch, will be India's second largest airline by some measure. Um, So it will have a market share of almost 18%, um, which is around double its competitors go for. First and SpiceJet, which are the next biggest carriers. Um, so what lo- would be the biggest one? Um, the biggest one, I think, would be Indigo. Okay. Yeah, um, it's, it's surprising that they're not the biggest, especially after this. But yeah. I hope they don't get rid of the Vistara brand too uh, too soon because I haven't managed to catch their 787 yet on my camera. So I've <laughs> <laughs> got lots of Air Indias, but they're not they're not as exciting. No, they're not. And Vistara like has done a, a wonderful job of um, sort of setting itself up as the luxury carrier. So, you know, hopefully Air India will learn some things from that and improve some of their onboard services as a result as well. Um, the low-cost arm won't be as big. But it will have about 6% of the market. So it will be the sixth largest airline in India. Um, So interesting to see how these changes play out. Um, But 
for Indian carriers generally, it's still a bit of a struggle. You know, passengers have been returning in large numbers, but um, forecasts are that as a whole, Indian aviation is running to a loss of billions. Um, The Indian credit rating agency, ICRA, has forecasted the figures for the whole of the financial year 2022. Um, And according to their report, airlines in India will post a net loss of nearly $2 billion. And they'll have a collective debt that's more than six times that size. So what's going on? You know, air traffic remains about 10% lower than pre-pandemic levels, but domestic passenger traffic has been really good. It's seen a 26% year-on-year increase, and there were over 11 million passengers flying in just this October, which was comparable to 9 million last year. So the passengers are there. Why aren't they making money? Airlines are significantly under stress due to the high fuel prices, which is something all airlines are dealing with. Um, But compounding that is a massive fall in the value of the rupee. Now, because Indian airlines pay for most things like fuel and whatnot in dollars, it's making it much more expensive, even again, um, over the the high cost of fuel. There's also supply chain issues, which we'll come to in just a second. Um, And of course, there's increased competition adding to the mix with a Air already flying and jet airways making a comeback really any moment um it keeps pushing back the date but hopefully soon um yeah well i saw they just posted a pretty big loss didn't they for the second quarter they did but they haven't been flying oh do you Mm. mean indian airlines generally uh no jet airways Oh, right. But they're not yeah. really flying. So know, that's not so. exactly a surprise. I know. But I'm just wondering, like, how much can you lose before it's too much to yeah. get going, you know? <laughs> too big to fail, maybe. I don't know. Um, but if you had to pick an airline that really was struggling the most, it's got to be Go First. Um, they've had a massive number of delays and cancellations. People have been taken to social media to complain about them. And people have been turning up at the airport only to find out their flight doesn't even exist. So this has been noticed by the regulator, the DGCA, um, and a minister told um, a publication called Mint that they're going to be investigating the matter and due process will be followed. So the issue with Go First is it's only flying 31 of its 59 aircraft. It's got about 40% grounded. Um, Many of its Airbus A320s are waiting for spare parts, waiting for engines. All of these are delayed due to the problem of global supply chains. Um, So, you know, it's really not happy times, um, but hopefully in the future it will get a bit better. Um, But this issue of the fuel price isn't going away. And it's interesting how much it's affecting India disproportionately to kind of the rest of the world being such a price sensitive market. But we'll see how that plays out longer term. Yeah, we just have to watch the space, I guess, like we say for everything, (laughs) because we are not uh, future readers yet, although I'm working on it. My crystal ball's not functioning. Give it a polish. (laughs) Anyway, um, I wanted to jump back to Boeing um, and talk about a new order. And, you know, he's not really, it's not a huge order, but it's, I would say, semi-significant. And I'm, the biggest thing I like about this order is just if you have a look at the rendering of the airplane that Boeing has made, it just looks absolutely gorgeous. Um, So forget the whole story, just look at the picture. Um, But anyway, yeah, um, so this story is about Azerbaijan and um, specifically their cargo airline Silkway West. So they've placed a firm order for two of Boeing's uh, 
777X, but it's not the Dash 9 or the Dash 8, it's the Dash 8F. Uh, so the airline's becoming the first cargo customer in the Eurasia region, according to the manufacturer. And uh, I'm guessing Eurasia doesn't include the Middle East because I'm pretty sure Qatar has um, some on, of them on order. Um, but you know, it's, it's not necessarily a new order because Boeing said that this was previously listed as um, two unidentified orders. So we the, the net orders haven't gone up, but we have um, they're now attributed to a customer. So you know, Boeing's launched this uh, freighter in January. You know, we'd known the freighter of the triple seven X is going to be coming for quite a while, but um, only this year it was like officially officiated um, to to say that. But anyway. Digressing, Silkway West Airlines, they're going to take two of them, but they have an option for two further aircraft. So they could take up to four 777-8Fs. Uh, so many numbers in this. Um, <laughs> commenting on the order, the group's president remarked that he was pleased to become one of the first customers for the aircraft. And he added that this year, Silkway West Airlines celebrates its 10th anniversary. And over the past decade, the carrier has been operating an all-Boeing fleet. Today's agreement reflects our ongoing investment in Boeing's market-leading freighters. Our fleet renewal plans will help to further reduce our operating costs and enhance fuel efficiency, as well as make air freight services in our region more sustainable. Um, so it's interesting because, you know, in that comment, he said, we've been operating an all-Boeing fleet, but they're not going to be all-Boeing for long because... Um, you may remember earlier this year, Silkway West defected to the competition and signed an order for two A350 freighters on June 28th. Um, you know, it's going to have to wait a little while before he takes either of these because both of them are uncertified and neither has even taken to the skies yet. But I'm really interested to see which one they get first because I think it's going to be a bit of a head-to-head -head race. Um, my understanding is this on sort of quite similar timelines. Um, prove me wrong. Maybe I am, but um, who knows? <laughs> My money but, would be on the Airbus, but, uh, you know, I don't want to seem biased. Yeah. I just think it's much easier to certify a, a 350 freighter that's already, you know, got proven service and, and is already flying around. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, I would put my money, I think, on the seven, 777F. Uh, so <laughs> we'll, we'll watch this space because... Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see which of us is right. But anyway, who are Silkway West Airlines? Because, you know, we've just said they're 10 years old, but I hadn't even heard of them. You know, like I wrote about their uh, Airbus order in June. And still, when this order came up, I was like, who's this airline? I don't know them. <laughs> um, so let's let's have a little look at them. They've actually got 12 aircraft right now, 11 of which are active according to CH Aviation. Um, and it's all 747s. So they've got seven active 747-400 freighters, and they've got four active 747-8 freighters, and then one inactive 747-8 freighters. The Dash 400s, they've got an average age of 21.1 years. So they've still got a little bit of them left, a uh, little bit of life left. And the Dash 8s have an average age of 7.4 years. Um, but, you know, I guess the 777 uh, freighter was the only option, really, that uh, they could go to to stay Boeing because Boeing's going to, of course, stop making the 747 this year. Hmm, that's right. I think there's mm. only one left to be spotted. I think we spotted the second so. last. Um, I think it's been spotted about, but okay. it's still like um, not been painted or something. I don't know. Oh, sad I don't times. know. We'll find out. Yeah, it is sad, but um, they'll keep flying for years to come. So definitely, just not to Israel. Particularly the cargo ones them. as well. Yeah, true. <laughs> no quad jets in Israel. Very bizarre. Yeah. 
Anyway, from one cargo operator that flies big planes, I want to talk about a cargo operator that flies little planes. Um, mm, because... And please do tell me, because you said dogs, and I was just like, what? <laughs> it's a very interesting story. So this is an Ameriflight flight, uh, which was a charter service that kind of ended in disaster yesterday. Um, the plane crash-landed on a golf course in Wark. Kesha, Wakesha. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly, so apologies, Wisconsin people, if I'm butchering your name. Um, the flight was on its way f uh, to Wakesha with three crew members on board, but it had some problems on approach to the airport. So, in case you haven't heard of Ameriflight, because I hadn't really heard of them, I've kind of seen I their feel name like the about. The name rings a bell, yeah. Yeah, they're a very specialist cargo operator. They've got some very interesting smaller planes. They've got a lot of them mm. actually, 133. So it's got 40. Wow. <laughs> one Fairchild Swearingen Metro liners. It's got large fleets of Beechcraft 1900s and Model 99s. It's got 13 Embraer EMB 120s. And recently it started taking delivery of um, the Saab 340B. Uh, it's got 15 of those on order in total. Um, so this particular flight was being operated by a 37-year-old Fairchild Swearingen SA227 Metro liner, um, which is a very interesting looking little turboprop plane with a very long nose um it's uh, it was performing an instrument landing approach to runway 10 of the airport at Waukesha but it didn't make it as far as the airport and at around nine o'clock yesterday morning the airplane landed on its belly on a nearby golf course Western Lakes Golf Club in Penwalkie um, it was actually only three nautical miles away from the threshold of the runway so clearly something went terribly wrong um on the approach to the airport um the Metro liner made contact with a number of trees as it slid across the golf course and both of its wings sheared off. Because of this, there was a major fuel spill. Um, the local inf police enforcement said that there was around 300 gallons that flooded into the ground and into a nearby marsh. Um, so all in all, a bit of a dramatic end to that flight. The three crew on board is said to have received minor injuries, but nothing life-threatening. But what I really liked about this story was that Ameriflight was transporting a rather unusual cargo and had a hold full of dogs. <laughs> there were as many as 56 dogs that were on this flight. Um, and they were under transportation on behalf of the Waukesha Humane Animal Welfare Society. And they were all destined for adoption into new homes. So, you know, as, as a mum of a rescue dog myself, who occasionally puts in an appearance on the podcast, uh, yeah, I did feel very oh, strongly. Oh, yeah, we loved that, Yeah, Where I did <laughs> hope that these, uh, these pups were okay. Um, so following the crash landing, golf club employees rushed to the aid of the many precious souls on board. And they were assisted by local law enforcement and Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources. Um, all the pups were extracted from the airplane and checked over by the vets. Miraculously, none of the dogs were seriously injured. There were a few bumps and scrapes, um, but generally it was a bit of a miracle escape for these little furry friends. Um, mm. The vans, there were vans already waiting at Waukesha Airport to collect the rescues. Um, so they were quickly told about what had happened and they soon arrived on scene and whisked the animals away. Um, so the dogs, happy ending for them. Not so much for the poor old Metro liner, which is absolutely going to be a write-off. Um, and of course, the cause of the crash is going to be investigated by the NTSB and the FAA. Um, it was very poor conditions, I have to say, looking at the photos of the crash site. There was heavy snow and it was um, very bad visibility. So whether that contributed to it, I guess we'll have to wait for the report on that to find out. Mm.
Well, yeah, I guess we we have to wait and see. But I'm, it's, it's great that nobody was hurt because, you know, so it could so easily go the other way. Yeah, absolutely. It was a, a very dramatic crash landing. Um, so I'm just pleased mm. that everyone's all right, including the dogs, or especially the dogs, yeah, should I say. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> and um, nobody on the ground either. So. Mm. <laughs> Well, anyway, I wanted to wrap up by making all of our regular A380 fans happy with my regular A380 update. And I've got a bit of a, a, a giant update on the plane this time. So um, let's start with Malaysia Airlines, because uh, if you've been reading Simple Flying, you would have seen that an a Malaysian Airlines A380 took off from Kuala Lumpur Airport on Monday. Um, it's quite exciting, I know. Um, it was. It's not necessarily exciting that it took off because they've been flying around every three months just to keep the planes airworthy. But what was exciting and I guess the opposite of exciting, um, disappointing, um, was the, the the destination of this plane. So it was actually its first um, international flight since the pandemic, basically. So nine Mike, Mike November Charlie took off loaded with fuel at 7.30. Uh, sorry, it was due to take off at 7.30. It took off at 9.11 um, and it got airborne and it climbed quickly to 38,000 and then 40,000 feet because it was very lightly loaded. Um, 13 hours and four minutes later, though, after around over 10,000 kilometers of flying, it touched down at Tarbes in France, which is everybody who regularly listens and knows is an aircraft nursery, I think, is the word they like us to use. Um, but everyone knows the word I'm thinking. Um, but anyway, so this is a 10.68-year-old A380. Um, it was ordered almost 19 years ago, and it took flight in 2012 and was delivered on uh, 18, uh, eight months after March the 14th. Um, I can't remember exactly what that date was, but let's do some quick maths. Anyway, um, it's got Rolls-Royce Trent 900 engines and a free cabin class, um, 486 seats, 412 in economy, 66 in business class, and eight in first class. And But it's not really been used, this plane, you know. It's only spent uh, 26,131 hours in the sky. And this equates to just under three years of flying. So, um, you know, when you think of it, this plane is almost certainly never going to fly passengers again. And if you think about how big it is and how much work made went to make it fly, and it's uh, flown for less than three years, it's, it's, it's a bit of a shame, really. Um, but anyway, you know, um, it's now in Tarbes, which um, has uh, 19 aircraft, 20 aircraft, I think, with the arrival of the Malaysian one, um, 20 A380s, of course, as many more aircraft. Um, but they've, it's quite interesting the collection of A380s they now have because they've had examples from Air France, Emirates, Etihad, Highfly, Lufthansa, Singapore Airlines, and now Malaysia Airlines. So um, quite a lot of A380 colours in um, in Tarves, although, of course, you won't have the Emirates colours because that plane has been scrapped. Um, but speaking of Emirates and the A380, they're going to do something quite exciting uh, tomorrow as we're recording this, so on Thursday. Um, and they revealed that one of their A380s is going to be flying past Dubai alongside the Red Arrow. Um, yeah, yeah, oh, indeed. Um, what's planned? Well, basically, Emirates revealed that, um, or the, the, the DP World Tour Golf Championship is going to be taking place from Friday and for four days. Um, I'm not so fussed about the golf, um, but we're still on the golf course theme. So, um, yeah, uh, but anyway, they're, they're going to 
um, go on a golf course and hopefully there's not going to be an airplane on the golf course. <laughs> um, but anyway, this um, they're going to line up with the uh, six Red Arrow planes and they're going to fly over this golf course and then up the D- Dubai skyline uh, past the Burj Khalifa, which we saw in that wonderful um, advert around a year ago now, I think it was, that they flew that. Um, but yeah, so like I said, six Red Arrows, the A380, they're going to be in formation. We don't know exactly what formation, um, but Emirates is encouraging people to step outside and watch the fly past. Um, they did also say, though, that you know you shouldn't put the flight at risk by flying drones near the formation flight, which is a bit common sense, but people still need to be told this, which <laughs> is a shame. Fair. And they said... Uh, comply with all GCAA guidelines pertaining to no-fly zones for unmanned aircraft drones. Um, it's quite exciting because, you know, Emirates is no stranger to fly past. We've seen them ourselves. Um, they've flown with uh, Alpha Zan, who's the UAE um, edition of the Red Arrows. Um, they've flown in formation with Fly Dubai, Air Arabia, Etihad, um, everyone, you know. If, if there's a fly past with jetpacks, you know, they've done it. It's But, I, you know, it, it's... It's like it doesn't really do anything for passengers operating these things, but from an Avgi point of view, I really love it because so many airlines, you know, they would never even dream of doing something like this. You know, you Lufthansa is not going to fly down the main road in Berlin. Um, BA is not going to fly an A350 past Buckingham Palace. So, you know, it's just really cool to see that Emirates actually does these things. I think. Mm, definitely. So will the Red Arrows be able to fly? They won't be able to get there in one go from the UK, will they? They'll oh, they're already make... in the region um, okay. because they're doing a tour of the Gulf. So they were uh, over Dubai, uh, not Dubai, uh, Doha uh, a couple of weeks ago. And then I think last week they were at the Bahrain Air Show mm. um, and they flew over Abu Dhabi a couple of days ago. So um I don't know if they can get over there with one stop. They they definitely flew via Cyprus because um, I think that's where their sort of winter training base is, where the weather's a bit nicer. Ah, nice. Um, but yeah, we should look into that more. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I guess they're allowed to do their displays in that region because it's only a UK mm. rule that doesn't allow it, don't allow them to display over people yeah, anymore. Yeah, I mean, isn't well, it? This, this isn't going to be a display. It's just going to be a fly pass. So I reckon you could do that. Like they do that for the Queen's, uh, the, now the King's coronation will probably have it um, and whatnot. But um, yeah, it's. Um, I'm I'm excited because you know as well that Emirates is going to have good footage from this. So I'm looking forward to seeing that even though I don't see it in person. Yeah, they've got an excellent media production team. You know, you've got to Mm. hand it to them. They do cover their uh, their special events well. So I'll be Mm, excited to see your write-up, Tom. (laughs) Yep. Well, well, I'm on vacation next week. So maybe somebody else has to do it unless it comes out (laughs) by Friday. Not (laughs) allowed. Not allowed. (laughs) Awesome. Well, I think that's all we've got time for on today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and welcome your feedback back at podcast at simpleflying.com. For more great content, you can visit our website at simpleflying.com or find us on social media. Simply search for Simple Flying. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do leave us a rating on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.